This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors and all of our affiliate members also. And our goal is we want to provide our listeners with some really good information that will help you make really good real estate decisions and not worry about all the hype, not worry about um, misinformation, or, or better yet, we're going to give you local information, which is really important. Um, we're not always exactly like the, the national news or like the news in New Jersey. We are who we are. <laughs> and to help me with that today, we have a special guest, and that is Sarah Tafoya. Hi. Good morning. And Sarah is um, a loan officer, a loan originator with Gold Standard Mortgage. Yes. And good morning. And the reason I say a special guest is her and I are related. We are. Oh, lucky you. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we are related. We're not sure who's the lucky one, <laughs> or, or if either one of us is lucky. It could be that. Why don't we just say both? Okay, let's, let's just go with that. All right, you should be a politician. That was a good answer. <laughs> Very neutral. Yeah. Well, one thing that um, I'm impressed by Sarah is that in getting into this business, you really got into, you tried to learn as much as you could about the market uh, so that you could better serve your clientele. That's right. Yes. I'm all about the research and the data. And I, you know, there's so much, there's so much speculation out there and everyone has an opinion, right? Like everyone tells you something. And so I really wanted to educate myself so I could inform others on, you know, what is really what based on data and facts, not just based on, you know, what my neighbor happens to say or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one thing I will say right now, there are more opinions flying around mm -hmm. than normal. Yes. So that in a way is the sign of a possible shift or it's a sign that we're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or just a combination of a lot of factors. It's it's probably not that we're all 100% wrong, but we just have all these varying degrees of opinions that's like, this is a little bit accurate, this is a little bit accurate, this is a little bit accurate. But, you know, then we we take things out of context and we mix them all up. So mm -hmm. we end up we end up far away from the truth and what we really intended. And 14 years ago, when this show got started, it got started by people trying to interpret the numbers. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, wait a minute. That's what's happening back east. There was a news article that came out from Michigan. Mm -hmm. And it, it just said that the, the market was spiraling downwards. And yet here in the Central Valley, we were rebuilding. We, uh, we you know. The 2008 crash had happened, um, and we're going to talk about that today yes. to see if there's any similarities to what we're, what's happening now with what happened back then. 
But it was just different here in the Central Valley. Um, the market was picking up. And here's one of those things where I was saying earlier that, um, okay, you know, there's more opinions flying around right now. Here's another thing. Back in 2008, mm -hmm. I knew things were different because when you would drive by a real estate office on a Saturday morning, the parking lot was full again. Uh huh. The phones were ringing. Now, those aren't statistics. That's an observation, though. At, yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know me. I'm all about observations. <laughs> well, and it's an observation from our neighborhood, our town, right? Not something across the country that's not you know, similar to the situation we have here. Right, right. So why is 2022 a good time to buy a home? You know, there's a lot of reasons, but the thing that I'm most excited about uh, to tell people about is equity. So over the next five years, um, the value of homes is projected to grow over 96 thousand dollars over the next five years so if you put that in perspective if you buy a home today for three hundred thousand dollars by 2027 it's going to be worth almost 400 grand so that is huge that is just adding to your wealth your asset column and who wouldn't want to do that right um you know i always think um especially after you know once becoming a mom i always think if something ever happened to me what what would my daughter do? What, what shape would she be in? And so I think it's huge to add things to your asset column, right? Um, cars are like the worst investment of all time, right? Because they always just depreciate. But real estate is where you can really put your money in and that asset will grow. And so that is super exciting to think that you could buy a home today and just in five years have almost $100,000 in equity. I want to defend automobiles, though, for a minute. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> All right. They're not the best investment, but it's something we use every day. So it, it, it's one of those necessities. Now, the analogy is a home is something you use every day just like your car. That's right. So you need to have one. Mm -hmm. However, on top of that, it's also a good investment. Yes, absolutely. You get two scoops of ice cream for the price of one. Well, and you know, and I always think, again, if something were to ever happen to me, if there was ever some sort of emergency, I couldn't just sell my home if I needed to. I could also take cash out of it if I really needed to, if something was going on. Um, but what I tell people is, you know, you're paying someone's mortgage. You really are. It just might not be your own. If you're renting. If you're renting, that's right. So you could either be paying your landlord's mortgage and adding to their wealth and their asset column, or you could do that for yourself. And so definitely, if you can, I mean, why wouldn't you want to build your own wealth? Yeah. Um, going back to what you said about equity, mm -hmm. I heard this a long time ago, decades ago, ah, even before you were born, Sarah. <laughs> But it's still true today. This is one of those real estate principles that hasn't changed. And that was somebody told me there's four factors of home equity. Uh -huh. one, the first one is inflation that we see periodically. Um, and and there's not, that's a global thing. Nothing you can do about inflation except own a piece of the world. Right. If you own a piece of the world, the value is going to go up. The other factor of equity is appreciation. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you buy a home uh, that uh, uh, that other people will appreciate down the line. So don't buy just something that fits you. Uh, maybe a good example. Maybe all you need is a one bedroom, one bath. Right. Um, next to the railroad tracks. Fine for your usage, but investment wise, the uh, uh, it'll appreciate more the more people that appreciate it. <laughs> yes. So the more the more people that can get use out of that home mm-hmm. for some reason. So it's not so individual. Right. Um, but going back to why this is a good time is, you know, there's so much talk right now, obviously, about interest rates. And yes, they absolutely have gone up, especially, um, let's see, from February this year to uh, May, you know, they creeped up quite a bit. Um, and But that's twofold. So yes, we're, we're not in the threes anymore. We're probably in the fours and the fives, depending on your program and your, your credit score and all your other details. But historically, our rates are still pretty darn good. And actually, when I bought a home five years ago, um, the rate was similar to what it is now again. So, you know, there was a time where interest rates were 10%, 12%, 16%. So we're still well below um, how high they have been in the past. But here's the other really tricky thing that that's very surprising. Um, a lot of people think, or, you know, like you said, there's, there's a lot of opinions out there. Um, I've heard so many people say, oh, interest rates are rising, so I'm just going to wait for prices to drop. Because when interest rates rise, the prices go down. I've heard that too. You heard it, right? Yeah. But what we've actually found is the opposite. That historically, over the last 30 years, every time interest rates went up more than one point, prices went up too. And they went up an average of 8%. So totally not what anybody thinks right everyone thinks the the rates go up so the prices will drop but it is the opposite so interest rates are projected to continue to rise through the end of the year and so if that's the case prices are going to rise too so why buy now well buy now before it gets more expensive okay i like that plus and i liked what one of our guests said years ago he was kind of upset that it took his children eight extra years to buy a home than it hit him and his wife. Mm. And he says that was eight years of lost equity. I see that. And I kind of like that. I mean, I, I can understand that reasoning because, yeah, I mean, the sooner, again, the sooner you can add to your own asset column, um, that the better, you know. But it's just different times. And I know that's something else we wanted to talk about today is lending criteria and how it is vastly different today than it was back then. Um, and it is more stringent today. But that really, when you look, when it, when it comes down to it, that is to protect the consumer, right? So lending standards today are a lot higher, but ultimately that is so the buyer does not end up in a situation where they're in over their head and they can't afford their mortgage. Um, yeah, we're gonna take a deep dive into that one. Yeah. <clears throat> So, I, I, and I really like the fact that you bring out about um, the equity mm-hmm. and start it as soon as you can. And, it, and nobody can time the market perfectly. No. If, if you could buy uh, or get a loan at the very bottom, you timed it just perfectly, you got lucky. You didn't really know. <laughs> That's right. 
that's what happened, um, you know, this past year with refinancing. Rates were so low. And I, I was fortunate enough to do a lot of refis with uh, for friends and family. And they turn around now and go, oh, my gosh, I'm so lucky that I did that, you know, before rates changed. Mm-hmm. But, but no one has a crystal ball. Nobody knows exactly when they're going to change on you. Right. So do it when you're ready. Yes. Buy a home when you're ready. Mm-hmm. But don't sell yourself short. There, uh, something I see a lot as a realtor, people don't believe they're ready and they really are. Yep. You know, it takes, it, it's, it's a huge thing, right? Buying a home is, you know, life changing and a huge event. And it, it's definitely worth speaking to a few different people and getting, you know, making sure you really know your options, getting a few different options. Um, people might think they're not ready and they may even have someone tell them they're not ready, but then they may go talk to a couple other loan officers that can actually qualify them or at least if not qualify them right at that time, put them on a path so they will be able to qualify soon. Ah, I like that. And with that thought, we're going to our first commercial break. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on a beautiful Saturday morning. And here in the studio, we have Sarah Tafoya, a loan originator with Gold Standard Mortgage here in the Fresno County area. Yes, good morning. All right. And, you know, in the last segment, we talked about the market timers uh, and those who may have just... I said, got lucky and hit it right at the bottom with interest rates or sold right at the top with, with uh, prices. And I said, that was luck. Got a text message here from a listener who said, <laughs> it's not luck, it's skill. Well, I'd like to further define that. The definition of luck is where being prepared intersects with opportunity. That's right. So what can you do about being prepared. You start today, even though you're not going to do something for a while, you start today. And is that a good, good thing for being pre-qualified, pre-approved? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, uh, another word I'll give for being prepared is being informed, right? I mean, again, everybody has an opinion. And just like how you're not necessarily supposed to Google your symptoms if you're feeling sick, because Google will give you all kinds of stuff. You need to talk to the professionals in the industry. Um, and not to say your best friend doesn't know and your sister doesn't know and your you know dad doesn't know, but again, their situation can be vastly different than yours, and it probably is. So you don't want to just take someone's word for it or take social media's word for it. You want to go talk to a professional in the industry and get informed on what are my options? Where's the market at? What What's the right move? Or what are projections down the road? You know, so you can make a plan for yourself. Yeah, I, I like that because when I said earlier in the show that we're starting to hear more opinions, mm-hmm. I didn't say they were from reliable sources. <laughs> a lot of it is on social media. That's right. Uh, you know, I've heard people say, oh, the market shifted as in past tense. Uh-huh. Well, a shift is a happening thing. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not always 
right at the very bottom, right at the very top. It's, you know, it, once again, make your move when you're ready. Well, and, any- and then you can't be wrong. <laughs> well, right, because, you know, in any kind of media, you you have to put things into context. So there have been some articles that have come out um, in various places this year that foreclosures are surging. Well, you know, in reality, foreclosures are at an all-time low, but are foreclosures up compared to one year ago? Sure. Now, they're still super, super tiny and at an all-time low, but there's more than last year. And you know why? It, and I, I saw that article and I had a couple of clients ask me about it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wow, our foreclosures really yes. coming back because this article said they had grown like 111% since this time last year. Uh-huh. Well, I want to remind everybody, this time last year, there was a foreclosure moratorium due to COVID-19. Right. So you, you technically couldn't have any. Um, so, of course... The, right. Of course, foreclosures are going to look like they're higher. And again, if you take that out of context and you just see that as a headline and you were alive back in 2008, you may very well get spooked and think, oh, my gosh, we're headed for a crash. Here come all the foreclosures. This is terrible. But you have to keep it in context. Yeah. Yeah. So that begs the question, why is now different than 2008? There's so many reasons, Don. Um, in fact, I actually did a little, I called it a series on social media um, about all the differences between the market today and the market of 2008, why we are not headed for a crash or in a housing bubble. So this is one social media post you should believe, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> I Because it I came from so. you. <laughs> you know, as you mentioned before, I do, I strive actually really hard to put out things that are data-based, that are facts, that are not just my opinion and not a sales pitch. But, um, you know, I come from a background of education, and I just believe in informing people. And, um, you know, uh, there, there's just there's mm-hmm. nothing better than, than the truth. Um, so back to your question, there's, there's a ton of reasons why this market is different than the market back then. Um, but one of the hugest ones being supply and demand. Oh, big. That's big. Yes. Yes. And so what I mean by that is when the market crashed um, in 2008, there was a huge abundance of homes. They act, We actually had, and I had some data before, um, we had about 20 years of overbuilding of homes. So we had way more homes than people interested in them. And so when our, our market crashed before, there were just too many homes and not enough buyers. But what happened immediately after that, and because of that, we've run into 14 years of underbuilding. So our population has grown. We've got all kinds of -of out-of-state investors as well. But for the last 14 years, we have simply not been building enough homes to support our population. And so that is one of the hugest reasons the inventory of homes now is nothing like it was back in 2008. I'm sorry I have to ask this question, but you said you came from a background in education. Is hugest really a word? Uh, I do not believe that's a word, Don. <laughs> Did I say hugest? Yeah. Oh, well, shame on me. Okay. So I just, <laughs> you know, you I was putting those two things together, your background from education and, and the word hugest. Oh, boy. I've always well, wondered. Well, you know, and 
I then I misspoke. It is a word, and I had it correct. I had it right. But yeah, <laughs> and if it's not a word, it should be because it really is descriptive. Yeah, I mean, let's let's add it now. Let's do that. Okay, great. <laughs> um, going back to two thousand eight, mm-hmm. I remember uh, getting a f- listing from uh, one of the banks for a foreclosure Mm -hmm. I went out there to where it was located in Madera it was in a newer subdivision Uh and there were just within one mile there were three brand new subdivisions that were in the process of being built Mm -hmm. each one had about one-third of the homes built out right so there was plenty of building potential yes and and a lot of those were unsold so that you can look at all the statistics you want, but that was very descriptive to uh, see all those available potential home sales. But now there was the demand was cut off. Mm-hmm. The demand had been over overdone mm-hmm. because of the lending practices. You could do 100% loan, no down payment, no qualifying. Uh, adjustable rate so your payment was appeared to be lower for a while so it created a lot of demand and there was a huge supply and then when that demand got cut off when the bank said whoa we're not going to do that anymore that's not a very good loan um, they cut off the water spigot there and sure enough demand went down supply was up and it created uh, a downward spiral yes And so, yeah, we've had, you know, a combination of several factors that have differentiated this market from where it was back then. And just, you know, just as you mentioned, lending standards, totally different. In fact, I know something we were talking about yesterday, Don, the number of loans that have been given out to people with a credit score of less than 620. So in the years leading up to the crash, each year, over 300 billion loans were given to people with a score of under 620. And now that number is at like 50,000 a year. So huge wow. difference. And, you know, if you think about what that really means, that credit score, what that really represents is a person's ability to pay for that loan. And so back then, our lending standards just weren't as responsible. A lot more people qualified but it didn't necessarily mean that they were able to continue to make those payments over the long run. And then that led again to foreclosures. And to put things in a different perspective too. So I I agree with you that lending practices today are much more strict than they were in 2003, four, five, six, Mm -hmm. but they're very much like they were prior to that, like in the 80s and 90s. Right. So this is more the norm where uh, for about a five or six year period of time, they totally let go of the, right. the leash. Right. And and look what happened because of that. So yeah. we've really pulled back. And not everybody likes that, right? Um, I mean, you know, some people might say, oh, well, it's not fair that I don't qualify right now. But again, if you really think about it, Um, these standards are here to protect the consumer. You know, nobody wants someone to lose their home and go through a foreclosure process. So what those standards are there to do is to protect that person from getting into a situation that might lead to them losing their home. And I'm going to go back and tell a personal story to show about 
uh, accountability. Mm-hmm. When I applied for my first loan, loan officer said, what's this collection here? You owe PG&E 80 bucks. <laughs> I go, oh, yeah. He goes, well, why didn't you pay it? Being a young kid, I mm-hmm. said, well, I don't know. I guess I just didn't. He goes, well, that's not a very mature answer. <laughs> he goes, you got to pay your bills, Don. I go, All right. So I, he w- told me how to work it out. I did go down, pay it. And, and that was not very smart on my part. Um, but I was young and not not as wise as I am today. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all we all go through growing pains. Right. Um, and hopefully hopefully the older we get, the wiser we get as well. <laughs> Not always, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and if there's little hiccups, like, you know, things in your past, chances are you're still going to qualify. It's when there's um, a pattern of missed payments or collections or bankruptcies or even just getting away from that. A big thing that um, deters people from qualifying right now is their length of employment. So, you know, sometimes someone gets upset with me because they've only been working six months and so they don't quite qualify yet. We need to wait a little longer. But, you know, again, I explained to that person, you know, the the bank, the lender wants to make sure you continue to have that income. What if something happens and, you know, you might be on a one-year contract right now, I don't know, but what if it doesn't get renewed? You know, so again, these these standards are put in place to protect that person. Yeah, very good thought. And right now, things are are in the lending industry, I believe, are normal again. Mm -hmm. I even believe that interest rates are normal for right now. What we saw last year, as low as they were, that was not normal. That was artificially held down by the Federal Reserve Board to help us come out of the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes. So... On that normalcy, we are going to our normal commercial break. Stay tuned (laughs) to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio with us on this beautiful Saturday morning, we have Sarah Tafoya, a loan officer with Gold Standard Mortgage. And how do you, what's it feel like, Sarah, to help a family build a home? Just like that song just talked about, the house that built me. Oh, you know, it really is super rewarding. Um, I think especially when they're first time home buyers and especially when, you know, they might be the first generation of their family to buy a home or just just people just thinking that there was no way they could ever do it. And I remember feeling that way myself, like there's no way I could buy a home. And then I did buy a home. And so it's it's a great feeling to get to that finish line and help a family do that. Yeah. Excellent. Now, there's a lot of loan products out there. There is. And I would have said that too back in 2005, six, seven, uh-huh. a lot of loan products. Um, and some of those ended up leading to uh, a housing crash. Or contributing, yeah. Contributing, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, 
there's a lot of programs now. So what are the pros and the cons of some of them? And, and, and describe what they are. Well, first on, let me tell you, there are so many different ones. And they are broken into two groups. We call them QM for qualified mortgage, which is your standard stuff, right? The, the things people hear about the most, which is... QM stands for what? Qualified mortgage. Okay. Um, did I say that? I thought I said that. Maybe, but I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> Probably both true. Who knows? Um, so, yes, your QM, qualified mortgages, those are your standard loan products that most people have heard about. That's your conventional, FHA, VA, USDA. Then you got a whole nother branch called non-QM. And the whole purpose of these kinds of programs is to meet the needs of buyers that don't fit in that, that cookie-cutter box of the QM. And those are things like for your self-employed people or your investors that are going to use like a bank statement program or going to use 1099s or going to use um, rental income to qualify. So I get kind of excited talking about that because there's so many programs and people have no idea, right? Like people don't know these things exist. Um, but, you know, working for a broker, we have access to so many programs. Um, and so there's a lot of options out there. But I know, did you kind of want to talk about the more standard programs? Sure. All righty. So your two most common programs I think people hear about is your conventional and FHA. And there's a lot of differences between the two. Um, one of the big ones being credit score. So your FHA loan will take a lower credit score than a conventional loan. And so sometimes when you're working with somebody, just by default, if you just know their credit score alone, they might kind of default into an FHA loan because their score might not be high enough to qualify for conventional. Um, another big difference is the loan amount, the loan limits. So every county has their own limits on these loan programs, and it can change every year. Um, but in our county, Fresno County, this year, the maximum loan amount for an FHA loan is about $420,000. So if you're looking for a $500,000 house, again, you're going to kind of default to a conventional loan if you're a standard W-2 buyer because your FHA loan can't go up that high. Unless you had a large down payment. Yes. But I then... Why do FHA if you have the large down payment? Well, so great question. And um, there, there, there is a reason for that. Right now, um, FHA rates are about a point lower than conventional rates. So I was just pricing something the other day. Um, the, for this particular buyer, the FHA rate was about four and a half. And the conventional rate was about five and a half. And again, I always have to stress, interest rates are going to be based on down payment, credit score, you know, all kinds of different factors, but that's what they were for this specific person. And so, as we know, interest rates 100% affect your monthly payment amount and how much you qualify for. So, of course, you're going to want to go with the lower rate. So, I had someone... Again, they, they wanted to buy a house that was about 460, and that FHA max loan is 420. So I said, okay, you can go FHA or you could go conventional, you know. But if you go FHA, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to cover the difference. So, you know, in this day and age, 
it's all about structuring loans and how we do that. There Again, there's so many options, and what you really want is a loan officer that's going to look at all these different options for you and fit the puzzle pieces together and see what's going to work for you best. All right. Excellent. There's a lot of um, people that are now asking, are adjustable rates good? What are the pros and the cons of an adjustable rate mortgage? Very good question because we are seeing a lot of adjustable rate uh, mortgages, also known as ARMS or ARMs, um, coming back right now. And that's a result of interest rates rising. So there's good and bad to an adjustable rate. Um, Namely, it is adjustable, just like the name says. So with an adjustable rate mortgage, you're going to have a set period of time, and it's normally going to be something like five years or seven years, where that rate does stay the same. So that's, you know, we call it a teaser rate or starter rate, where your rate is going to stay the same. But after that, your rate can adjust, and it might be able to adjust every six months, or every year, again, it just depends on the terms of that specific loan. But when that when it adjusts, chances are your payment will also go up. And with an adjustable rate mortgage, um, I'm gonna say there, there's gotta be a hundred different kinds of them. That's there, right. It's not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. And I uh, this is one that confused a lot of people back in 2005 and six, Yes. where they said, well, you, you've got a fixed payment for the first five years, mm-hmm. but, and then it'll, <clears throat> then it goes to an adjustable, but the key word there was the payment was fixed, yes. not the interest rate. Mm-hmm. So the interest rate could have gone up and down, up and down on, on a monthly basis, but your fixed payment may not even have covered all of the interest rate. Correct. And therefore you had a thing called negative amortization. Mm-hmm. So maybe you borrowed 300,000 and five years later you owe 330. And it's like, how did that happen? Right. And again, those are things, again, every, every loan program, they're going to have different terms. And that is stuff that is so far removed from what your average consumer knows, right? If, you, if you've never bought a house or even if you have, but you've never had an adjustable rate mortgage, how could you possibly really understand that stuff on your own? So that's why you need to have a loan officer who's willing to take the time to inform you and walk you through all of that so you fully understand um, really what you're signing on to. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the conservative economic approach. Mm-hmm. I, I call it donomics. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that is, all right, interest rates, let's say they're around 5% right now. Mm-hmm. In the long run, for the next 30 years, do you think they're going to go higher or lower than that 5%. In my conservative economic approach, I I would say they're going to predominantly be higher. So wouldn't it still be better to get that fixed rate at 5%? Now, if if you thought, oh, no, I happen to know because I took an Econ 101 class and and you're pretty sure that they're going to be lower than 5% for most of the time, then, yeah, I guess that adjustable is good. Well, and again, I mean, 
I, I know everybody always loves like black and white for sure, universal, one size fits all answers, right? Yeah, just like that's the, the basis of dynamics. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like, I mean, somebody asks every day, what are rates today? And it's like, what are we talking about? A purchase, a, a primary residence, is the cash out? Is this, what's the score? What's the down payment? You know, there's so, there's not one size fits all answers, even though we all wish there could be. Um, but even that, you know, to answer your question, is a fixed rate better than an adjustable rate if, because I don't, I don't think we mentioned this, on an adjustable rate, that beginning rate for that first five years or seven years or whatever it may be, it's usually going to be lower than what your fixed rate is going to be. So, you know, again, it depends on your whole situation, and that's why you need a loan officer to kind of help you figure out the best situation for you, because... If you're an investor or someone who's only planning on having that house for a short term, a short amount of time, you may very well go with an ARM because that interest rate's going to be lower and you're like, well, I'm going to sell this house in seven years or whatever it may be. So there's, like you said, there's pros and cons to everything and you just got to put the pieces together. So when you said seven years, it reminded me. So one time I strayed away from my conservative approach and I did one of those seven-year deals. Uh-huh. And it was fairly conservative because it was a fixed payment and fixed interest rate for the first seven years. Okay. But my f theory was, I know I'm not going to have the house in seven years. Uh -huh. I'm going to sell it. Um, so this is good. Well, I didn't. And then I had to spend a few thousand dollars to refinance. So, right. so much for knowing what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> and things change, right? Um I sometimes I work with somebody who is gets very overwhelmed and stressed about thinking, oh, my gosh, this is 30 years. This is going to be my payment for the next 30 years. And, you know, I have to remind people that statistically and so it doesn't mean all the time, but statistically people make changes to their mortgage every seven years, whether they refinance or sell or remodel or whatever. So. Yes, that that loan term is locked in for 30 years. Does it necessarily mean life's not going to take you in another direction where you end up making some changes? Of course not. That could always happen. So sometimes I tell people that that if they're very stressed out thinking, oh, my gosh, this is a 30 year contract. It's like, you know, it's not set in stone. It can be changed if something is to arise in your life. All right. And with that thought, we are going to our next commercial break. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. I'm proud of the house we built. It's stronger than sticks, stones, and steel. It's not a big place sitting up. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here in the studio with us today, we have Sarah Tafoya, loan originator from Gold Standard Mortgage. Now, I've changed that up a couple times to call you a loan officer, a loan originator. What is the proper term? You know what? That is a great question. Um, either That's why I asked it. <laughs> loan originator is what I prefer, but loan officer uh, works just as well. Either of those are good. But let me clarify this because this is a huge um, mix-up that I hear every single day. Um, most people will call me, including realtors, realtors and buyers will call me a lender. Um uh, the lender, the actual lender is the bank or the institution that is providing you the funds for the for the loan. 
Um, so that is not me. <laughs> I work with the lender. I coordinate your loan with the lender. And um, actually, as, as a broker, what we do is we have access to several different lenders so that we can shop all these different programs for you. But my actual title, or anybody that does loans, their actual title is a mortgage loan originator or mortgage loan officer. Okay. Going back to loan products, I've been hearing some new things out there. There, mm -hmm. there was one program I heard that said you can get a loan but yet make an offer as if it's cash. Yes. So I, I'd like for you to describe that one. Another one was a forgivable Mm -hmm. Equity builder loan. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think that one would have been where they forgave me on that eighty-five dollars I owed to PG&E <laughs> and didn't pay. They were very forgiving and, and let me work with them. Oh well, I'm glad. Um, yeah. So again, so many different programs out there, and they're changing all the time, right? Um, there's always new things coming out. The two you just mentioned just came out. Gosh, in this last month or so. So let's talk about them. Um, the Forgivable Equity Builder Program. That came out from CalHAFA, which is a big name in down payment <clears throat> assistance. And basically, if you have one of their loans, what it will, do, what the Forgivable Equity Builder part will do is they will give you up to 10% to cover down payment and closing costs. And so in a lot of cases, that might cover your whole thing. You might not need any cash to bring in yourself. Um, and the forgivable part is if you live in that home for five years, so it has to be a primary residence, if you live in that home for five years, it will forgive that 10% amount. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta always read the fine print because I actually had a lot of calls on this about a month ago when it first came up and people were thinking the entire loan was forgivable, but it's actually that 10%. However, um, this program had some very strict um, limits on income and your DTI and credit score, all that stuff. So in order to qualify for this program, you had to make less than about 50 grand a year um, in this county, in Fresno County. So that took a lot of people out of the running for this loan program. And what that also meant, if you if that's your income, again, your loan amount is going to be based on your income. And so your price range, really, if you use this program, was going to be $275 or less. So if you were looking at that $400,000 home, this program was not going to work for that. You know, as far as income limits, uh, here, here's a story from way back. I broke the news to somebody that he didn't qualify for a program. Mm -hmm. because he was over that threshold uh, of income by a considerable amount. I think it was like $15,000. And he was so upset that, oh, my God, you know, I, I don't qualify and I can't get that, that program. I said, but look at the good news. You're making $15,000 a year more. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think I would rather have the $15,000 than that conditional giveaway. Yes. So, I mean, if you fit those, if you, if you fit in those requirements, it's great. If not, you know, then what I always tell people too, then let's look at another program. That program might not work for you. Something else will. Okay. And the cash program that you talked about. So this is super, super exciting. And I love this. Um, 
Okay, so this is basically to help people compete with all those cash offers that are out there from out-of-state investors or whatever. Basically, what you can do, you can get fully pre-approved and the lender, so not myself, not the loan officer, but the lender will um, be able to cut you a check that you can offer the seller as a, so it's a cash deal that can close in 10 days. So instead of going through, instead of just having your typical standard loan offer, um, the lender's going to cut a check to the seller. So it's gonna completely be able to set you apart from other offers out there. Um, The person themselves, they're still gonna have to go through the loan process for 30 years or whatever their term is and make those payments. But the seller is going to be able to get their cash right away. And the offer, this is the big part of it, the way that the offer is written can be written as a cash offer. So it's super cool, and I'm really excited about it. Hmm. So is there no appraisal done on that? There is an appraisal. So, um, yeah, it kind of has a little bit of its own separate process. Again, this person starts with getting pre-approved just like normal. Um, once they find a house they want to make an offer on, um, there's kind of what they call a desktop appraisal. So um, basically the information's put into a computer system. That's going to give us the appraisal as opposed to a person coming out. Now, after those ten, that 10-day closing, after the seller um, receives their funds and the person has their keys, there may still be a traditional appraisal that goes on. Um, and again, that's going to be worked on, worked out with the, with the buyer themselves. So it's just mm-hmm. a really cool tool to set the buyer apart from all these other offers. Okay, interesting. Now, next question. Um, what are the advantages to buying a home today versus renting? Well, again, we're going to go, you know, we're going to go back to a couple things we started with. Um, buying a house is always a personal decision. You're always going to have, you know, your your own reasons why you want to buy a house. Um, I'll, you know, I'll tell you me, myself, <clears throat> I, I want to buy a house that has a big yard for my daughter to play in. <laughs> and I say, if a bounce house can't fit back there, then it's not a big enough backyard. That is for me, you know, my, uh, a primary reason for me wanting to buy a house. And so... People have to go with their, you know, first off, their primary reasons why they want a house. But if we're going to talk numbers and strategy and investment, we got to go back to this equity um, and how buying a home is really adding to your own wealth. And it's really investing money back into yourself. Whereas if you're renting a house, you're investing money into your landlord's uh, wealth and their asset column. And so because as well, rents have risen. So a lot of times your rents are going to be very close and comparable to what the mortgage is going to be itself. So if you can buy, you want to own. You want to be a homeowner. Let me give you another reason, too. Let's say you're at the age of 25 years old. You buy a home and you get a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. Mm -hmm. So you know what your payment, your housing cost is going to be in the year 2040 2045. You know what it's going to be. But here's the great thing about a fixed rate mortgage. They're fully amortized, which means uh, each month a little bit comes off the principal Mm -hmm. and it gets lower and lower. So let's say between your your year of the 25th year, I'm saying this wrong. (laughs) When you're 25 years old, you buy the home and you're going to pay that off in by the time you're 55 years old, mm-hmm. 
But let's say value, inflation was zero. So there was no growth there. Appreciation was zero. Sweat equity was zero. All other factors of equity growth were zero. And here, when you were 25, you bought a home for 300,000. You now have $300,000 of wealth by the time you're 55 it, it, because of principal reduction. Right. Mm -hmm. So that is a really cool thing. And some of you might say, oh, I'm not going to live in a house for 30 years. All right. If you only live there 10 years, your balance still went down, maybe not all the way to zero, but um, you're going to have equity growth. That's right. Okay, we only have about a minute or two left, so a couple of questions for you, Sarah Tafoya of Gold Standard Mortgage. Um, <laughs> what do you want people to remember most about today's show? I guess I want people to remember that there are so many options out there. There are so many programs, and you know, I know everybody hears so much, but um, don't get discouraged. Because if you think you can't buy a home, you need to reach out to a few different loan officers and see what they say. Because even if the first one um, doesn't have an option for you, the second or third might. And so you want to keep your head up. You don't want to be discouraged by every single thing you see or hear. Um, and then you want to remember, even if you're not ready to buy a home today, what a good loan officer should be doing for you is making a plan with you so that you can buy a home in the future. Okay. Um, give us your best real estate advice, Sarah. Best advice for right now, get pre-approved. <laughs> get okay. fully pre-approved so you know uh, what your price range is and what you should be looking at. Okay. Well, I want to thank you, Sarah Tafoya of Gold Standard Mortgage. And, but most of all, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in every Saturday. And we'll be back again next week. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio. Thank you. <music>